This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast. Back at full strength this week, um, Hammy. Back from a little R and R, which really wasn't R and R in Florida, but uh, you seemed like you had a good time down there in Florida, didn't you? Ah, well, it's you know, it's <laughs> not so bad being on Cocoa Beach and uh, you know, walking you know down the up and down the beach for a little bit. Um, <laughs> For me, Florida wasn't really wasn't really that kind of a trip, but yeah. uh, I did get to do a little bit of that. For me, Florida is a nice place to visit, but I'd never want to live there. Yeah, honestly, I think it's overrated. Yeah. I mean, I like <laughs> I like you know being by the beach, whatever. Especially, like I said, Cocoa Beach was kind of cool, whatever. But like Orlando, Tampa, I mean, I'm not impressed. You know what I mean? So it was like it was all right. Yep, well, I I totally get. I I've I've spent a few summers in Florida when I was a teenager and it was god awful. And every and every time I visit, I'm ready to leave when I'm done. So that's just how it is. Well, well while you were gone, um, we had a a series with the Michigan Wolverines, Hammy, and uh, oh boy, a couple of games where they had some really nice leads and completely choked it away. At least that's what I think. That was just terrible finishes by the Gophers. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because obviously I'm not at all, as a fan, like happy with the results, especially when you have those kinds of leads and then you end up either, you know, tying or losing or whatever. It it sucks in that sense. But it's also, from a philosophical perspective, I guess I, I feel like it's nice to see. I mean, you can't have rivalries without sometimes coming up you know, with results that you don't like, uh, and they have to be very competitive, you know, games and there has to be drama and, you know, all that kind of stuff has to be there in order for a rivalry to really be good. And we've kind of seen, um, you know, we, we knew Michigan was one of those rivalries when all the conference changes happened, that was going to be important. And it hasn't really quite been where we expected at first, but uh, maybe this will, you know, with a new coach and, uh, you know, maybe this kind of a series is, where it's a lot of offense and there's some drama involved, and maybe that's what we have to look forward to. So, from a big picture perspective and a rivalry, uh, maybe this is something that's going to be, you know, better in the long run for us. We we can only hope so because, uh, boy, as a fan, Vigs, that was a terrible weekend. A three nothing lead Friday night, you lose in overtime. A four nothing lead Saturday night, you end up getting a tie and getting an extra point. Um. It, 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 you know, we've talked about Jekyll and Hyde weekends. These were Jekyll and Hyde games, starting so well and finishing so terrible. Well, it's extra brutal as well because you worry so much about going on the road and starting off well, and the Gophers did that both nights. You know, they came out, had a good opening 10 minutes, had really the control of play to start both games, took good leads, and that's what you hope for on the road. And it's so disappointing to see this team that's managed the puck so well since that UMD game just completely lose their heads and, and lose, you know, the self-discipline to do the right thing and to be aware of, you know, the situation in the game and the score and, you know, the, their teammates on the ice and, and just throw away points like they did this weekend. Now, Viggs, you know, I've always been of the uh, – I guess I really don't know, but, you know – People say you get a lead, you need to kind of sit back and play a different style of hockey instead of keep going and keep doing the same type of style of game. Um, apparently, you know, the Gophers changed their game after they got a lead, and it just – it was like they were a completely different team. I mean, so you, I don't know if they turned to the mentality where, you know, oh, we need to play defensive now, but it seems like it's not just that. They're, just, they're not just playing defensive. They were playing stupid. Well, I think that's it. I don't think they were changing their mindset. I think they just stopped being careful and cautious and aware of the situation. I think they just started playing open hockey, 
And that's something you can't do when you're playing against a really talented team like Michigan because when you do make those mistakes, you can't catch them. You know, if they get a step on you, they're probably going to keep that step going the other way. And that's that's what makes it so critical in those games is to keep your head and stay disciplined because it's it counts. You know, these aren't pickup games. And these are games that, you know, come into play for conference titles and pairwise and seeding. And they just didn't remember that at the key moments. And then once the momentum started in Michigan's uh, favor, they couldn't get it back. And that's that's the other thing. You know, maybe there's some calls that went the other way, you know, but that wasn't all that got them the loss on Friday. Definitely that Friday game, you know, I know Lucci was a bit upset about some, you know, the penalty calls and the lack of penalty calls and overtime or whatever it may be. But I just keep thinking, uh, how did you even get to that position in the first place? I mean, you're up. Well, it's just turnovers and management. Yeah, but three, nothing. Keep, you know, keep the foot on their neck. Keep, Keep pushing, and uh, they just well, the they, thing don't, is, they don't they don't they don't the game gets close again. You know, at that point, like you can't change your game. You have to play to keep scoring. You know, you can't totally button it up when it's a one goal game or a tie game. You still have to create offense. You have to carry the puck in the offensive zone and have sustained pressure. And again, this is something that's been hurting this team all season as they get in the offensive zone and they're too quick to try to make a play that's not there, and then that just Puts them from the fun zone into the work zone. If you listen to the coaches show on Monday, Lucia talked about that a lot. You know, all these players, they work so hard to get the offensive zone, and then they just give it away almost immediately, and then they have to go back, defend for 30, 40 seconds, get over the red line, and get off. I don't know. It was just, it was really disappointing. And, and boy, reading the Facebook and Twitter feeds of the U of M after these games. Boy, are a lot of the, those fans very angry. Of course, they always come back to, oh, fire Lucia, and this is all the Big Ten's fault, and, you know, that same bullshit we always hear. But uh, either way, you know, as a fan hammy, that was pretty upsetting. You, you start so well and just end like crap. Well, it's like I said, I, I you know, big picture, I don't, you know, you don't like it. But I like the fact that, you know, you, you have some drama and you have, you know, maybe the, the rivalry getting back on track in the sense that uh, it's exciting and competitive and whatever. But, yes, from a fan perspective, there's nothing more frustrating than when you get a big lead, especially in hockey. where On the road. Know, it, yeah, it takes a big momentum shift to, to have that kind of a – to blow that kind of a lead. And, um, it, you know, I, I – I, I just kind of feel like some guys lose sight of, you know, it's almost to be, like you said, they become a little too freewheeling. They become a little bit too, um, they don't maybe necessarily think um, intelligently, you know, because they have that big lead. You think that, oh, well, you know, this one play isn't going to cost us or whatever. And uh, sometimes, especially on the road, it's just a, one little thing that can really create momentum for the other team. And it goes, can go quickly in the other direction. So I, I, hopefully if, anything positive comes out of this series is that maybe they learn a lesson that uh, doesn't matter how big your lead is. You still have to play smart and uh, not always take the high risk uh, play. Do either of you know if uh, Casey Middlestead is, is suffering from an injury because he, he was, I don't know if he was shut down or he was just non-existent this past weekend, but um, he has been a bit quiet lately. I don't know if he's banged up. I haven't heard anything like that, but I mean, I think it's just, you know, I think it just goes to show you that sometimes we, you know, when the hype train gets rolling on a recruit, you know, a first-year player, that you still have to remember, especially with a kid, you know, he's still a young kid. And, you know, yes, he's very, very talented, but he's still growing and learning and, you know, going up against guys that are much older than what he's been used to. And uh, you're going to have to give him – some slack, you know, to not always be right on top of his game. And that, that's going to happen, especially for a first-year guy. And I talked to Nate Wells a little bit, who was in Ann Arbor this last weekend, and he said that Mel Pearson really focused on that line and shutting them down. He was sure to have a, you know, a checking line attitude out up against them. Um, he wanted fresh defensemen every chance he could get out against those guys. And if you noticed during the series – you know, they were given Middlestead a lot of extras. 
you know, a lot of extra sticks, a lot of extra checks. You know, they were trying to get into his uh, kitchen a little bit. And I think that's one of the reasons why you saw uh, Novak and Sheehy have better weekends is the focus wasn't on them. It was on the RPM line. Well, yeah, if you, if you talk about Sheehy, it, it was nice to see him start to build his game because, uh, you know, he got a goal Friday night. You know, Saturday he, uh, you know, scored the – the winning goal, I guess, in, in the shootout to get that point. And he obviously he did score earlier in the game as well. But um, on the positive side, it is nice to see Sheehy starting to get his game going because um, we need him to be on top of his game, Viggs. Yeah, well, six points in a weekend against Michigan is going to help you get healthy. But I think <laughs> he looked the best skating that he's looked all season. You know, I thought you saw the effort. I thought you saw him skating through checks and fighting through um, – defenders a little bit more that's something you hadn't seen much earlier this season so he either is finally guys conditioning under him or his back is feeling better or that other injury they picked up is feeling better but i think this is the first game he was able to do that and you saw similar stuff from novak you know he also fought through some checks which you hadn't seen so much and just you know lucia talked today about them improving their pace of play and i thought that was a big difference in their game yeah i'd agree that that that's definitely one of the, if even though the outcomes were a little frustrating that uh, it was definitely good to see some of these guys kind of really start to hit their stride offensively. And um, you know, for those two guys in particular, I think that it bode bodes well moving forward because um, you know, she, he, we all know was going to be very important coming into this year. And uh, um, hopefully this is the kind of series that really gets him rolling. And if, um, we can maintain some of these other guys' performance early on as far as offensive production. I think it's you know very beneficial to the team. And I thought the power play unit with Sheehy, Pitlick, and Middlestat and Johnson uh, looked a lot better than it has earlier in the season. You know they looked a little more comfortable. You know rate, rotating through positions and getting some shots from the point. Uh, Johnson hit a pipe. Um, I thought just overall they looked better in the zone. That other unit. Uh, still having some issues, and I think that's why Lucia spent a lot of today working on power play personnel and different you know, configurations and strategies. Well, I noticed you were tweeting about some things that were going on today at uh, practice. Uh, what else did you see at practice? Well, it's just a lot of special teams work, a lot of penalty kill work, a lot of power play work. I think you know, with this short week, you know, they don't want to do too much to, to – tire their legs out because they're going to be needed against a good skinny Harvard team, but they're just trying to find, you know, some different combinations and different looks to maybe get things going. Cause they've got so many left-handed shots. You know, you don't want to have guys in the wrong spot on the power play if you can help it. So they're just trying to figure out different ways to, to set guys up. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw the Gophers rely on an overload power play, but that almost looks like what they're going to be doing with that top unit. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully a lesson is learned uh, after this weekend that um, how to finish a game for one thing um, because uh, I think they left a lot of points out there that could come back to haunt them in the end. Uh, we've got Notre Dame kind of undefeated so far, games in hand. Michigan also has games in hand. And, uh, you know, if they win those games in hand, you know, I've, uh, you've got Notre Dame will be way ahead and Michigan will be just ahead. So, um, these these points could come back to haunt them later in the season. And points they should have had, I think, two points after how both those games started is is pretty disappointing, Hammy. It is, but I mean, I think as far as the way I look at it with Notre Dame, I mean, we still have to play them, so we have plenty of our destiny in our own hands with regard to that lead. And then, uh, you know, we'll have Michigan coming to our you know rank. So I mean it. Yeah, you don't like to to see that, but at the same time, there's so much left to play for that uh, I don't get too concerned this early on about that kind of stuff. Um, earlier this season, or actually for the whole season, uh, Mr. Shearhorn had been playing very well, uh, Viggs. Um, it was a bit of a struggle for him this past weekend. Yeah, after looking back at Saturday's game, I don't think it was as big of a struggle as some people are making it out to be. Okay. I think there were a lot of plays that, that got Michigan going in transition. There are, there are clearly two or three goals that Shearhorn usually makes the save on. There's there's a you know a long shot from the point that he just didn't see. And I think he was kind of pressing as the goals piled up. He's like, 
you know, I got to press and make a nice save here. And when he does that, he kind of loses his game a little bit. He's been better when he's calmer. He's following the puck and he's in position. I think when he gets into some of these games, you know, the head starts rushing and, and you get away from what makes you successful. Um, so not his best game. We're used to seeing him bail out the team when they make mistakes, and he didn't do that as much this weekend. Uh, but I don't think it was all on him. You, you look at some of the goals, you know, they're just backdoor tap-ins. You know, there's guys just walking right in from the wall by two players. Um, you see guys, you know, taking too long a shift. Um, there's a lot of things that contributed to all the goals. Um, one very good positive from this past weekend that we hadn't seen for the entire history of a Big Ten play for the Gophers, uh, Hammy, is that they finally won that extra point in a shootout. After all, after yeah, all this well, time, they had you know you know a lot of people don't like the shootout, but the, it's even worse if you don't like the shootout and you keep losing the shootout. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that, and I mean, I guess there's some consolation, you know, the fact that you get the extra point, and certainly, uh, but you know, when you have those kinds of leads, I suppose for everybody, it's a little bit of a. <laughs> You know, it's fine, but you kind of think of, you know, we really shouldn't have gotten to that point, so you don't really get too excited about it. But, yeah, it's it's certainly better than losing the shootout. Good to get that monkey off the back, Viggs? Well, it's kind of interesting. I don't really ever see them practice shootouts in their availability when the, we see them on the ice, so it's probably not something they care about too much. Just they've got some really talented guys in Pitlick and Sheehy who can fire the puck. And uh, they delivered. So I think that point could come in handy. Two's better than nothing. That is true. But uh, I guess we should go back to talk about Middlesex's uh, attempt. Um, <laughs> could he have gone back for the puck after it bounced on him? Or was he already? did he already know that he was done? I heard some conflicting reports on that. You can't go backwards. Okay. So you can't back up. You have to have a continuous forward motion. Yep. This is why the spinorama is a little bit controversial. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So once it's behind you, you can't go back. It it, it was basically a bad luck thing. It looks like the puck just kind of bounced on him, and that was it. <laughs> not not. Well, it looks like there's some bad ice out there in the third period. A lot of bouncing pucks. I did notice there was quite a bit of bouncing pucks, and you know, it was very, very unfortunate. You, you got this kid who's you know going to be a superstar. He's in the NHL or going to be in the NHL, and blah blah. And, his first shootout and it bounces on him. I I felt kind of bad for him because he he you know he, he hadn't had the greatest game and he couldn't have redeemed himself and uh, then the, just literally a bad bounce happened to him. So I I felt bad for him. It just kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like this is just that kind of night. But luckily, yeah, you know we did have Sheehy bail them out and get their first extra point in the history of the Big Ten. So uh, that's the one positive, guys. It's not so bad. I don't know. You're reaching, but fine. I'm. Well, I guess we have to reach for something because I. It was a pretty negative weekend, and and you know the team had kind of been made fun of of not being able to get an extra point. I mean, I if I recall, the only other shootout they won was for uh, what about four years ago for the North Star Cup against Duluth, and that was that was the only time they ever figured it out. So it's kind of nice that they finally uh, did get that extra point. So. Um, we do have a, speaking of kind of overtime and whatnot, we got uh, Jess on the Mixler chat wondering, is there any noise out there about the Big Ten going to a four-on-four overtime? I haven't heard anything. Have either of you heard anything about that? Or is the Big Ten just kind of happy with how it is? I haven't heard anything. I mean, I do like the concept. I really like how it has worked in the NHL. Um, so I, I wouldn't complain if they went to that route. What do you think, Viggs? Three and three, four and four? Well, I know Don Lucia is very vocal about having that first five minutes be five on five because that's how it would be in the NCAA tournament is you're going to have that situation where, you know, there's no loser points or or ties there, so you want the experience of that five on five hockey. Uh, I think if you're going to go past it, you know, four on four, three on three is a lot more fun to watch than a shootout. So I'd, I'd be in favor. I'd like it. Um, but at the same point, you want to keep that five-on-five five situation so, maybe, so they get the experience. So maybe go with the NCHC rule. I believe they play five-on-five five and then three-on-three, three, or do they go right to four-on-four? Four? I don't really recall. I know they do something weird like that. 
Anyone know? I think it's four on four. Okay, so they do four on four for five, and then they do three on three for I want to say yep. for five, and then they would go to a shootout. But uh, you know, well, then if it ever got there after fifteen minutes of bonus hockey, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, so any other final thoughts on this weekend at Michigan, Hammy? No, I mean I think it's just one of those things where you kind of have to, you know, learn your lessons from the mistakes that you've made and. Uh, hopefully in the long run, you know, you grow from it and uh, the team learns. So, it, you know, you just never know if in, a lo- in the big picture of a season, we all get upset about certain things that happen, but uh, sometimes those can be growing experiences for a team and for certain players. And you just expect that they're going to learn from that and not make the same mistakes again. What about you, Vigo? Any final thoughts? Well, I think we saw another weekend where Minnesota took a couple bad penalties, you know, just situations where you had no business taking the penalty, whether it's face-off interference in overtime or, you know, nothing interference on the rush where, you know, it's already been diffused. You know, those aren't penalties you want to take. And luckily, Minnesota's penalty kill has looked pretty good all all season here since those early struggles. <clears throat> I was really impressed with the way they were able to handle Quinn Hughes in the second game, you know, one of his things, he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. He's really good at rushing the puck, but I think Minnesota after that first game, when they, they kind of saw his speed and especially his lateral agility, they were able to angle him and, you know, limit his ability to bring the puck up on the ice. And, you know, that's an important skill for this unit to learn. And they're going to have another challenge this weekend with Harvard. Um, Adam Fox is a great power play quarterback for them and they'll see a very similar player. Well, we're going to get into the Harvard talk in a little bit. And, and as also, we're going to talk about some uh, recent recruiting and signs that uh, Gophers have just uh, done the last week. Uh, but before that, let's have a listen to our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey from the pros to the minors, to the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Well, we had a a couple players uh, say they're going to attend the University of Minnesota this week, in the last few weeks, and then we had uh, some... uh, Probably some freshmen for next year sign their national letter of intent. Um, it's been kind of a busy couple of weeks, hasn't it, Viggs? I think uh, you've seen Minnesota take maybe a softer apo- approach with the NLIs, uh, only signing three this year. Um, obviously, Clayton Phillips is probably going to be their most impact guy coming in next year. Real good defenseman, having a great year in the USHL. Um, Blake McLaughlin. Uh, staying in the USHL instead of going back to Grand Rapids. A uh, really dynamic player, a lot of offense, uh, mature guy. And then uh, Sammy Walker staying in high school this season for Edina. Uh, be a fun player for people to watch. Plus, we've had a lot of commits these last few weeks, huh, Hammy? I mean, we just had another, we just had a goalie commit uh, this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of interesting how it kind of goes through these stages where, you know, sometimes you go through long stretches where you don't, get any activity whatsoever and of course fans kind of you know what's going on and whatever they don't realize that it's just a matter of kind of the ebbs and flows of recruiting and not everything's gonna can sometimes they happen in little stretches of bunches of guys um and other times there's long stretches of nothing so um i think after you you see things with elite league and you know in high school and then you also have the early season uh ushl and you kind of get a better feel for you know, how players are kind of progressing, you know, makes you a little bit more willing to kind of put those offers out there. So, um, 
you know, it's definitely exciting when, you know, I think that, you know, the goalie, uh, it's going to be good. I think, I think it's, he's a really good player. He's started off the USHL, um, very well. And I think that, uh, he's got a, some really good size and there's a lot of opportunity there for him to continue to improve and grow. And, um, I think that we are pretty good shape despite what we saw with Shearhorn this last weekend. I think, <laughs> um, you know, our current uh, goalie situation is in pretty good shape. So to, to have this kind of in your back pocket now, um, you know, for years, for years down the road, that's going to be good for the program. Um, I, you know, we still have the concern about uh, some of these kids being super young. Um, I know we've discussed that previously. Uh, any concern about that, Hammy, still about, you know, going after, you know, these really young guys? Well, I mean, I guess it's sort of a, you know, a sign of the time, so to speak. And so I, I guess I don't like it. I certainly never liked it. And I've made this well known many times. I don't ever like when they go after goalies that are really young, because to me, you can find goalies, you know, 18, 19 that are uncommitted that are going to turn out to be really good players in college. I don't think you really have to do that for goalies. Um, I understand doing it to a degree with uh, some of the position players, but I just feel like you kind of have to have a balance. And um, but I also realize that you know, especially a Gopher coach, you're kind of in a tough spot because um, there are certain fans that you know they focus all their attention on you know who the top prospects are at certain ages. And if we, you know, it's ironic to me that some of the fans. It's like they will bitch about stuff when we don't get them. But then when we do get them and they don't necessarily, you know, kind of progress the way that we expect, they bitch about that. And it's kind of like <laughs> you can't win with these people. You know what I mean? And so it's like it, it's it's tough. Um, recruiting is, you know, it's tough. And it's not just something that we see here. You know, some every program has guys that they project to be, you know, pretty good at a younger age and some do end up, you know, panning out in that direction. And sometimes they don't. And uh, it's not just something that we deal with here. It happens all over. Viggs, do we know anything about this goalie who signed a name? His name is Jared Moe. Apparently he played for Holy family now playing for uh, Waterloo for the, um, do you know anything about him? Not much other than his stats and uh, history. You know, he's, He's a big goalie, which is something we might be seeing a, a different trend here with, with Gopher Hockey. Uh, Robson's a big goalie as well. Um, Shearhorn's more of those athletic guys like uh, Wilcox was. Um, so, you know, he's definitely proven himself early in this USHL season, but goalies are hard to know. You know, until they start seeing the, the elite shooters from everybody, you're not really sure how they're going to project. So it's always risky. You always want to wait as long as you can with the goalies. Um, Hammy, yeah. oh, go ahead, Hammy. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, uh, uh, Scott Bell <laughs> loves to tweet out, we got a big fish today. Um, I'm kind of curious, are there any other big fish still out there that Minnesota is pursuing? Well, there always is. I mean, yeah, there always is, but I mean, is there kind of like what age group do you want to look at? <laughs> you, know, do I th you know, I think right now. You know, I see fans talk a lot about, you know, defensively, what are they going to do in the in the short term? And, you know, the, the trick is, is that you kind of have to balance out that short term need with, you know, if you see kids that are maybe a couple years down the line that um, you really, really like that uh, you feel like you have a good chance to get. And it's kind of like if you commit to that short term thing, that might take away from that long-term opportunity a couple of years later. And so you kind of have to balance that out. And of course you have a roster that you have to, you know, you have to fill out. And so it becomes, all right, well, do we look for that, you know, kind of low cost, low scholarship cost guy that maybe doesn't have, you know, some of the elements in the short term that you would really like to have, but it gives you an opportunity to kind of really go after somebody two years from now that you really, really do like, um, you know, so there's that balancing act between the short term and the long term. And uh, that's kind of why it's a little bit trickier, I think, than some fans kind of think about. It's not just sort of like playing fantasy football and you just collect as many good players as you can. And um, you kind of have to balance out all that scholarship and 
and need and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it's it's trickier than I think fans kind of realize. Um, we got Tony Newell has a question in the Mixler chat. Um, he was wondering, was Wilcox highly thought of coming in? If my memory serves me right, he was supposed to be the backup his freshman year and ended up winning the job early and never looking back. Um, what do you remember about Wilcox there, Hammy? Uh, well, he was definitely uh, well thought of, you know, coming into college. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, he was drafted. I mean, it wasn't like he was, kind of some schmo out of nowhere. He, he was a pretty good player in, in his younger days. Um, and he did play very well in the USHL, you know, prior to the Gophers. So, um, you know, whether or not you expect a kid to come in and start right away or not, that, I mean, you don't always know that part of it, but uh, I, I definitely think that, you know, he they were counting on him coming in and being a, an impact goalie for them uh, for many years. So I, I don't think that that was a shocker. Speaking of goalie Viggs, um, it has been a very long time since we've had a goalie actually play in the NHL as a normal goalie. Yet uh, a lot of teams around us have had go- come goalies come and go and go on to the NHL and have successful careers. Um, wh- why can't Minnesota get one of these goalies? Well, there just haven't been a lot of elite goalies coming out of Minnesota. I mean, Lindgren. when was the last time you saw a Minnesota produce goalie? Lindgren. I mean, he's, he's you know he's playing for the you know, Montreal right now. The kid's pretty damn good. But if if you read the story on Lindgren in the Athletic this week, here's a guy who again didn't make his select 15 age group, didn't make his select 16 age group, made his select 17, and he had a lot of ties to St. Cloud. You know, goaltending is a hard thing to develop and. You know, it's something I think that's improving in Minnesota. You're starting to see, you know, like the mega goaltending and the Stauber goaltending schools, you know, improve that development. Um, but it's it's a hard position to project. You know, I don't know. I just I just have the impression that uh, you know we rely on the old Stauber, who was a mediocre NHL goalie. But then you look around the league, and boy, there's a lot of former. Uh, well, what we'd like to say, the old WCHA goalies playing in the NHL, that, uh, boy, we had a hard time scoring against when, when they were, you know, you know whether it's Elliott at Wisconsin or, or even, like I said, newer, you know, with Lindgren at, at St. Cloud State. Um, why can't we get one of those goalies, guys? Well, I, I'll be honest with you, for me, I don't really care huh? about that, mainly because it's like, We've had effective goalies here. I mean, there's been stretches, you know, little periods here or there where we haven't. But to me, it's not – I don't get caught up in that, you know, the, if they're NH. First of all, you got to remember that, that there's only so many goalie spots available at NHL. It's not a big number. I mean, that's a small number of opportunities in the first place. But um, there's a, a lot of good goalies out there that can do a really good job in the college level. And it's just a matter of identifying them and, and making sure that uh, as they progress their college career, that they continue to improve. And you know, I don't really think that that's been, you know, a weak spot for the Gophers. You know, for the most part, over the course of Lucia's time as a, as a head coach, um, and I, I kind of feel it's a little bit overrated to talk about, you know, how good we have an NHL guys, you know there's not that many of those positions and you know, it's kind of like when people talk about, you know, well, this recruits an NHL draft pick and he's this and that. And it's like, I really don't care because we've seen plenty of guys, Justin Clouse, for instance, that weren't even drafted that were very good college players. I just care about how they do on the college level. It don't get me wrong. It's nice to see these guys move on and, and play well at the pro level, you know, and, and, you know, have alums that are in the NHL, but I don't get as caught up in that kind of stuff as other people do. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I'm just, you know, I, I do think though, after, after talking to Andy Kent for my Sherwin story last week, that I think you're going to see the development of goalies at Minnesota improve. I think Sherwin's kind of laid out the blueprint for how goalies, if they want to take themselves seriously, will have to train year round to, to push themselves to, to reach that level where they you know can play NHL. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, I, I've I've just always been kind of a wondered thing, you know. You know, Minnesota kinds of hang. Well, I guess there was you know was John Blue as well. I believe John Blue played in the NHL, but it's been a long time since we've had a 
a goalie that played at Minnesota, that played well here, that went on to play in the NHL. Uh, we got all those def- great defensemen and great forwards that have gone on, but it, uh, in the goalie position, it's been a bit quiet for about almost 30 years now. So, <laughs> Well, I, I do agree that with these that, you know, to a degree, you know, we, it's about facing elite shooters. And, you know, when a lot of the kids in Minnesota grow up, um, and spend the majority of their time in Minnesota high school, I mean, you're not going to get that. Um, and so until these kids kind of get off to the junior hockey, you know, in USHL, for instance, you're not really going to see, you know, the consistency of high-quality shooters. And you kind of have to think, like, to some extent, that's going to play a role in the development. Um, and so considering we spend, you know, pretty much the vast majority of our time recruiting within the state – um, that's probably going to play into it. And, you, you, and you're right, hopefully with some of these, um, you know, goaltending kind of focused uh, development opportunities that we see with like Stauber's, you know, businesses and whatever, I mean, you kind of hope that maybe that's going to continue to get better in this in this state and maybe we do reap some of the benefits from that. Well, plenty of the other state schools have had some excellent goalies. Uh, one of them is playing for the Wild right now, so... Uh, and uh, and I'd like to, I, I don't know. I just would, it would be nice to have somebody to hang our hat on because you know we've got plenty of other pros out there doing really well. But boy, goaltending position we just we just haven't been able to figure out in in uh, in a long time. We had decent goalies. I'm not saying we had bad goalies. I'm just saying we just haven't had that superstar goalie that uh, can uh, really lead you to a also most. Go ahead. Most really athletic six three, six four guys don't end up playing goalie in Minnesota. You know, those are the guys who are gonna play, you know, center, defense. You know, most Minnesota players when they're coming up, you know, the coaches find the biggest best skaters and put them on defense, and that's why we've had so many great defensemen come through Minnesota. So I think that's part of it too. You know, when you have your community model like Minnesota does, that's what's gonna happen with your best athletes. Well, and I think, you know, the other, I honestly don't think for me personally that goaltending has been what has held back the Gophers. You know, to me, when I look at a Wilcox, I thought Patterson played relatively well, um, you know, in his college career. Uh, You know, maybe they didn't have great finishes, you know, especially Wilcox didn't have as great as a last year. but I mean, I think that generally speaking, some of these guys have played pretty well. When I think of what's kind of held us back, some is just some of the I think personally defensive depth. Um, when I think of the great Gopher teams, we think those t- title teams. There was a lot better uh, high end guys on the blue line, and we had better I think depth uh, one through six. And I, I feel like that has not quite been as strong uh, for one reason or another in recent years. And I think if anything, that's kind of what's cost the team as much as and we've had good offensive players. I, th- I don't have any problems with the goaltending on the whole. Uh, I'm not saying it's been great the entire time, but I think it's been more some of the defensive players not having that depth and maybe just having one guy that's really the elite um, offensive defenseman, overall defenseman, rather than having two or three of those guys. And I think that more than anything, that's what's kind of held the team back. Don't tell the the casual fans that though, because boy, they were going after Shearhorn this weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not going to be great all the time. I get but it. True, Shearhorn true. hasn't always been great. I mean, we all know that he didn't have. It wasn't like last year was a fantastic year throughout the se- you know the entire season for him. Um, but uh, I guess I, I just don't want to like read too much into any one series or any one little stretch of time. Um, it's just kind of looking at the big picture. I'm just kind of feeding into the irrational thing. Well, I think that's you, all. Go ahead, Beeks. Well, you can just look at Dubnik with the Wild. You know, he had kind of a shaky start, and then he's had three shutouts in a row. I think goaltending is one of those things that can kind of go up and down a little bit. Um, it's why you kind of want to have a backup option to turn to so you can let your number one guy figure things out from time to time. Tony Newell, he's actually asking, will Lucia give Robson starts after the break? We kind of talked about this before. I'm thinking it's almost guaranteed, don't you think, Viggs? I mean, I think we're going to see Robson. If he's not, uh, you know, let's say Minnesota even struggles at at 
uh, Ohio State that Friday night game, I wouldn't doubt if he threw Robson in Saturday just to get him in there. But we'll, if we don't see him then, I think we'll definitely see him against Army, won't we? I think it all depends on how Shearhorn responds here. You know, if Shearhorn finds his game right away, you know, I think Lucia is going to be – it's going to be a tough decision for him to turn away from him. Uh, I think what you might see, though, is Robson might get, you know, half a game or something like that, one of those Army games, um, or come out in relief if Shearhorn doesn't play well. Okay, okay. We'll just have to wait and see. It's good to have that option, though, to, to press press guys. I asked Shearhorn a little bit about that, if that's why he had such an intense summer. And he didn't want to directly answer it, but I think it definitely motivated him to take his offseason a little bit more seriously and make sure he came into the season playing well. I'm kind of curious. Uh, what does happen once uh, Robinson comes in? I mean, um, does essentially one of those other goalies become a practice goalie only? I mean, that's four goalies on the roster. That's a lot. Well, I kind of think we already have two practice goalies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may be true. Um, I just, I just think it's odd. We're going to have four goalies on a roster. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know which one kind of gets demoted because they do dress three goalies quite often. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but uh, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, like you said, that the, the presence of Robson and the, and the thought of him being right there, We'll hopefully kick and keep uh, Shearhorn on his toes, huh, Viggs? Yeah, I mean, he's a big athletic goaltender. He came here thinking he was going to play. So and he didn't come here to ride the bench. He came here to compete for a job. And, you know, he's a big athletic goalie. So he's definitely pushing Shearhorn. Well, that, that's exactly what we want because uh, we, want these, we want these guys to be battle-tested by the end of the year. So. Well, let's let's move on. We've got uh, we've got Harvard coming in this weekend from out east. It's nice to have some of these eastern schools come in. Um, before they even played a game, they were ranked as high as three in the nation, two or three in the nation. Um, their team maybe hasn't quite come together as as they wanted to, Hammy. But uh, Harvard is uh, kind of projected to be one of the top teams out east this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because they do start later than, you know, than other schools do. So it's kind of hard to get a feel for, you know, did they maybe get overhyped early on? Or is it just that they're kind of facing the early season, you know, situation where you're trying to find your way and figure out, you know, who's doing what and getting a feel for your team uh, that, you know, a lot of teams go through. So it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses, you know, what they actually end up as. But I think that certainly being non-conference and being the fact that they're going to be a team that likely is going to be, you know, good in their conference and, and be a contender out East uh, that you would hope to do well this weekend. And uh, from pairwise purposes down the line. Well, that's exactly it. Isn't it? Uh, This is, this could be some critical numbers come pairwise, uh, comparisons later on the year because if somebody like a Harvard does go off and and win their league why a couple victories over them would be really big at the end of the year well if you do well against Harvard you just win so many comparisons in the pairwise it helps separate you from other teams that you're competing with so it's definitely a huge weekend Harvard probably a rough start all those Ivy League schools start later than the rest of college hockey so I think it's hard for them to kind of get going and one of the things with Harvard is they're looking to replace so much scoring up front. They return, you know, some some key pieces, but they're looking for scorers right now. Well, what do we know about Harvard other than uh, they're kind of hyped to be good this year and have had a bit of a slow start? Hammy, do we know much about Harvard? Uh, I personally can't say that I do, um, <laughs> just because I mean, how many games do we really get to see? you know, from a, from the perspective of ECAC, I mean, you see a little bit here or there or whatever. So, um, you know, so from a actual visual watching them perspective, I can't say I know a lot about them. Certainly they, you know, have done a good job. I think getting talented kids considering they don't, you know, have the scholarships, you know, that that's different than, you know, for those Ivy schools than it is for everywhere else. And so, um, they do a pretty good job, all things considered, that they don't have to, they don't operate like the Gophers or North Dakota or some of those other schools with uh, scholarship offers. And, you know, they kind of have to deal with 
certain things that other programs don't. So they do a good job of collect, collecting talent. Uh, obviously, with such a great academic institution, it's not like uh, they don't have anything to offer a uh, hockey player. So, um, but as far as you know, how good they're going to be this year and you know individual talent, I mean, I don't know a lot about Harvard because I just don't see them. They're not in the radar in that sense. Viggs, I know you scouted him, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, they did go to the Frozen Four last year, so there was an opportunity to see a few games uh, with the Crimson on the ice. And, you know, Adam Fox is a real dynamic defenseman for them. He's probably going to run one of the power plays for the World Junior team um, in Buffalo this year. He's an NT a DP guy who played with Lindgren. Um, Ted Donato is another boss draft pick who uh, has been an impact player in the past, and, and he knows Lindgren very well from the Gophers. Um, so those are two names to watch, and, and Madsen's a big goalie for them. He's, I think he's like a six-five, six-six guy drafted by Arizona. You know, a lot of experience. Maybe a guy that the Olympic team might be looking at. Um, along with Donato, he might be an Olympic guy that um, Granado's looking at. So they've got some talent. I think one of the things Ted Donato's done with this team is he's incorporated some more of those NHL prospects in the Harvard program. Something they. You know, haven't had for a long time. They used to not do that, but I think they have seven, eight drafted players on their roster this year, and you know that talent level is pretty impressive for Harvard with the no scholarships. So, Viggs, we obviously want to see the Gophers, you know, get a couple of good wins this weekend and uh, do well for their pairwise. But what's kind of those intangibles that you would like to see this weekend? Is it you know improving the power play or maybe the penalty kill or certain situations? What would you like to see from from the Gophers this weekend? Well, I'd like to see them stay out of the box. You know, just the, the discipline factor. Don't take those stupid penalties, you know, away from the puck, um, you know, when you're not making a physical play. You know, if you're going to take a guy down because he's got a scoring chance, that's fine. You know, if you're laying a big hit, sometimes that's okay. But, you know, when you're taking these interferences or these trips or these hooks, you know, through the neutral zone or behind the play or after a rush has already been diffused, you know, that's just not smart hockey, and you can't do that against elite teams. Usually when you do that, you're going to be facing good power plays, and there's going to be a good one this weekend they're up against. So you can't do that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing I'm going to look for is what does Lucia do with the power play? I think he's got a pretty good unit um, with Pilik, uh, Middlestat, uh, Sheehy, and Johnson, who he puts out there with them is important. And then what does he do with that second unit? Because Everything they've done has been real stagnant and hasn't looked very good on the ice. Sammy, any of those intangibles you'd like to see from the Gophers this weekend? For me, you know, what I want to see is just, you know, individuals and maybe even from a certain team perspective, just learning from mistakes. I want to see um, guys being more disciplined in, in their responsibilities um, and just making the smart plays because I really feel like you know, we talked about it earlier in the season, especially from a defensive perspective. You know, we don't have a Mike Riley, uh, you know, a Nate Schmidt, uh, Keith Ballard, tight. You know, those kinds of guys. We don't really have that. You know, this year at least, we don't have it in an obvious way right now. And I think that it, defensively, it's just really important to to play positionally sound, making the smart play with the puck when you do have that opportunity. Not trying to do too much, not getting yourself out of position. And, you know, of course, from an overall team defensive perspective, just playing smart and supporting each other and um, not always taking the high risk play, you know. So it's it just kind of some of those learning those lessons from the mistakes that you have made and then supporting each other, you know, out there on the ice. That's what I want to see. Sounds good to me. It's actually a lot of that sounds uh, good to me, guys. Uh, it's, this is those weekends where we'd like to see some improvement in different areas and, and hopefully we'll get to see that. Um, Viggs, you went to availability again today, um, captured some audio that we'll put at the end of the podcast. Um, uh, what, what did you hear from, uh, the players and coach Lucia today? Yeah. Ryan Lindgren, you'll hear him talk about his familiarity with some of the guys in the Harvard roster. Uh, he's pretty buddies with, uh, those guys and stays in touch with them. Um, and Ryan Zulsdorf also talked about the Dyna connections. There's two Dyna players who play for Harvard. Um, so there's some, you know, history there with all those guys and maybe a little extracurricular stuff that could happen. You know, you're always tougher on your friends than people you don't know. So we'll <laughs> see some of that. And then you'll hear uh, Lucia talk about, 
you know, Harvard coming to the rink. You know, this is a team that plays a, a good style of hockey. It's not, you know, like a trap and sit back kind of team. It's a team that wants to produce offense. So it should be fun for the fans if they show up at the arena. Now, do we know, is this a special agreement? Are we going out to Harvard next year or do we know that whole arrangement? I don't think we know it right now. Yeah, because I, I, I hadn't really heard anything. It was, uh, you know, usually we've got these agreements. You know, we had the agreements with St. Lawrence and, and Clarkson and, and whoever. And, and you know, we went out there and they're coming back here and, and things with Northeastern in the past. But uh, this Harvard one, I didn't I didn't really hear any buzz. All of a sudden they're coming here for two. And similar to Army, you know, all of a sudden Army's here for two games. And uh, we don't know if there's anything reciprocal going on with that like we usually hear. So I was just kind of curious if you'd heard anything. Yeah, Part of me wonders if this was going to be the Mary G Classic and they just couldn't find another team. Because um, I know Harvard's come to the Classic in the past. I think that's the last time Minnesota played them when Jimmy Vesey came and almost single-handedly uh, beat the Gophers in overtime. He had some help, but it was mainly him. Um, so I think it might have been something to do with that. So they might not be going back out there. Well, could be. I, I, maybe we should ask them about that this weekend when they're there because I, I hadn't even thought of that. Um, anything else, guys, for this weekend? Any predictions or any thoughts on, on the weekend, Hammy? Uh, well, I'm kind of expecting to sweep this weekend. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but that's kind of the expectation I have. I think that I want to see the guys really kind of rebound from a disappointing weekend um, where they really should have come out of it with two wins, and um, hopefully a little bit of that uh, bitter taste in their mouth will result in some a couple of really good efforts and two wins. Viggs, come on, sweep. I'm seeing a sweep too after this uh, offensive output from last weekend and getting Novak and Sheehy going. You know, they look a lot better. I think that's going to help Minnesota. They can be deeper than just a line or a line and a half. Uh, that's really going to help. So I think we'll see a sweep here and uh, should be some entertaining hockey. It will definitely be entertaining hockey. Something to look for. As well as if Lucci keeps doing this 11 forward, 7 defenseman thing. He's been talking a lot about it, how much he likes it because he can play some of his high-end players more. And then we're, we're seeing him a little bit. There it is. That's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Well, they should. Yeah. <laughs> no, they play um, entertaining hockey. Uh, they're going to get up and down the rink. They're a really good skating team. Uh, played in the Frozen four years ago. Uh, Donato's a special player up front. Uh, Ted Sun, uh, Fox on the back end, uh, will be a, on the World Junior team this year and quarterback in one of the power plays. Um, goaltender's really good. Uh, big, what is he, 6'6", six, six, covers a lot of net, and they don't give up uh, many goals. I think they're trying to replace some top-end offensive guys uh, from last year's team. Uh, but uh, they were picked to be you know, certainly one of the top teams in the ECAC again and should be a really good entertaining style. Uh, I don't expect a, a ton of goals scored. I expect it to be more low-scoring and grinded-out type of games. Not a ton of history between these two programs, but some pretty significant games if you go back. Yeah, uh, there is. I mean, we, we ended up losing to them a year ago and or uh, a couple years ago in overtime, and I think it was our, our tournament, and it was a really good game. Uh, and uh, uh, that's where we want to play teams like Harvard. I mean, they're they're good. They play the game the right way. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Ted. And, you know, with, with the job he's done there at Harvard, he's been there a long time, and you know, built the program and. Um, so it's fun to play teams that you know want to mirror us a little bit and, and play an up tempo style. Sam Rossini's gotten into just a few games here, but he's made an impact in, on the stat sheet for goals, especially. But what do you, what's your mindset putting him in, and what have you? Well, seen we've been year? we've played some eleven and seven, and uh, you know f- from a defensive standpoint, it allows us to get uh, one of the freshmen involved in the game um, with the comfort of knowing that one of the veterans is still available to us. And, and from a uh, forward standpoint, you know, it allows us to mix and match. And we've scored the most goals when we played 11 instead of 12. 
and allows us to get our top end guys out a little bit more. And, and even just talking to them this past week, um, they like the fact that all of a sudden they're playing with different guys throughout the game too, so it's not static lines. Uh, but Sam, what we need from Sam, I mean, the goals are a bonus. I don't think, you know, we, ex- we expected him to, you know, lead our back end in goals at, at this point in the season. Uh, we need him to defend, uh, be hard guy to play against, be a good penalty killer uh, more than anything else. But, you know, he has two nice goals from the shorthand of jumping up into the play and then certainly with the two cracks out of that Michigan scoring on the second one with the, you know, getting a puck through. I mean, that's that's an art for a defenseman to be able to get a puck through the net. Where are the guys' heads at right now after after last weekend? Well, they're fine. I mean, I think our guys are good. Uh, I, I think they've... I am ex- I'm glad that some guys broke out from an offensive standpoint. Yep. That, you know, Tyler Sheehy came alive last weekend. Novak came alive last weekend. So from that standpoint, it was good. Um, Yost has been a very difficult place to play more than any any other probably place uh, for us in the league. Um, you know, the, the negative is obviously, I mean, I guess after 31 years you see it all. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had a team where we've down, been down four in the third period and come back and win over, over time. But, you know, when you're up 3 nothing and, and 4 nothing, those should be salted away. But, you know, the, the lesson on Friday was just you can't turn the pucks over the neutral zone and, and shorten the ring. Um, and uh, on Saturday, I thought we did a lot of good things, but some pucks went in that don't normally go in. And, um, you know, Eric will bounce back from that. Uh, he always does. You know, last weekend I said we should have won two, um, could have lost two, and should have tied two, you know, with the way the game went. And I don't think I've ever experienced that before where, you know, if all the scenarios could have happened each night. Uh, I, I'd probably be more concerned if, you know, on Saturday that, you know, we got our ears pinned back and the shots were 20-5 to five in the third period. But, you know, the disappointing thing is, you know, you're in a good spot to, to win a game. You know, some freshman mistakes, you know, contributed to that. But, you know, that's you got to have them out there in those situations so they learn and, and grow from those experiences. Look to me that Sheehy and Novak found their skating legs. Yeah. Is that something that just took them a while to, to get into? Well, both coming off some, you know, Injuries from the offseason, uh, certainly Tommy. Uh, last weekend is the first time I really saw him, you know, playing at a little higher pace than what he played at. And even the same with Tyler. I thought Tyler played at a better pace than what we've seen so far from him uh, this year. And that's what, that's what has to happen. Um, you know, going in, you know, we scored 10 goals, which is a positive. Our penalty killing is improving. Um, I'm, I'm we had a lot of good looks on our, on our power play. We only scored one in the weekend. And instead of our penalty kill, I mean, the only one we gave up was that face-off. But, you know, ultimately we ended up getting tripped on the play and down to two men, essentially. And um, so from that standpoint, it was a positive. But hockey's a funny game. I mean, you, we'd given up, what, 10 five-on-five goals on the year, and obviously you give up nine on a weekend. And But it, it's going to happen. I mean, the week before, Denver's out at Western and they're up 4-2 in the third and give up five. I mean, who would who would have think it? But momentum's a funny thing, especially at home. And I think probably Michigan and, and Yost, they, they feed off their momentum as, as well as anybody does in a home rank. John, it's not practice today. You tried a couple different looks in the power play. One unit had five forwards, another had two D. Is that something you might employ this weekend? Yeah, I, today's the first time we, we looked at it. I mean, it was a shorter it's a shorter practice week. We, we didn't skate on Monday. Uh, it had to be because we traveled on Sunday. We had to take Monday off too, which was probably good for our guys with the grind of going right through no off weeks the first half. So we're, we're just experimenting with, with different looks. I, I'm not sure we'll keep that tomorrow, uh, but we want to have some options you know, as we head into the weekend and, because I, I, I don't think we've found the chemistry we're looking for yet in our groups, and, and uh, so we'll just keep searching. What are the kind of points of emphasis uh, for your team against Harvard? Uh, much like uh, what we talked about with Michigan is that uh, transition hockey becomes really important. Um, you know, we, we've got to be disciplined, uh, not take penalties. I mean, they're, they're, they can throw five guys out there pretty darn good in the power play, uh, especially those defensemen and with Donato. Um, and and uh, at home, we want to get off to good starts. Uh, you know, we've, we scored a few more goals last weekend, but, you know, then you know, a little crack in the dike somewhere else. So now we got to we're put some mud on that and fix it. Get back to you know where we're kind of clicking on all cylinders. It's kind of funny how kind of this whole year, and we're still early, but you know, goaltending's rock solid. Then a little leak this weekend, and, and uh, penalty kill struggles. Now the penalty kill's been good. And 
we weren't scoring goals, and now we scored a ton. You know, so uh, part of it's you know who you play, when you play, and, and, and how the game unfolds. And uh, you know, the, the, as I told Eric after, you know, he, he's won some games for us two to one, and you know we got six to help him out on Saturday nights. But now we got to get back to giving up two goals a game. When you give up leads like that, though, do you have to kind of rebuild these guys and make sure there's not that creeping doubt? That's no, I, 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 I don't because we've been so darn good at it all year long. Yep. And uh, I mean, how, how good we've been. I mean, I think it was a couple years back we couldn't, how many times we got scored on a pulled goalie situation. And now it's been, it seems like forever since we've been scored on it in that situation. And you're confident uh, when, you're, when you're out in that. Um, as I said, it, if we would have been getting our ears pinned back, you know, then a little bit more cause for concern, but uh, um, just got to play situational hockey sometimes a little bit more. And freshmen have to learn and grow from you know some of the mistakes and turnovers that they made. You seem like the good of every of these small things. How do you put everything all together? Well, that's the million dollar question, yes. and that's what makes coaching so great. Or you and, keep, uh, you keep or something yeah. popping up. <laughs> you yeah. keep whack a ball. Something yeah, keeps I mean, it's just, just the way it is. I mean, it, it, I don't care what you coach or what level, or I mean, it's all the same. I mean, you know, how, how can you, probably more than anything else in sports, you, you have more emotion into the game and you're into it, and the next weekend the team's flat. Well, how the heck does that happen? I, if somebody could patent that, they'd, be, they'd win the lottery because everybody want to read the book. You know, we just want to, as you go in, we want to have our guys have make sure they have their legs this week and, and play with pace and, you know, play against a good opponent. And that's, these are non-conference games. And, you know, we've talked many times how good our non-conference schedule is. You know, we're in good shape non-conference, what we've done so far. Uh, but now we have six more games to go non-conference. And, you know, they're, they're, they're important games. You only have so many hours each week to practice. Mm-hmm. Is, is power play the one you want to focus on, trying to figure out? Uh, no, I don't know. I think we. If you look at the trending, I mean, like we we only had one against Michigan, but I think we hit the post and you know had some good looks. At, I think we had like seven, eight shots on goal on the power play on, on the weekend. Uh, I, I I think what we want to keep growing on our penalty kill, which we've done a good job. I think the last six games we've only given up one goal, um, and that goes a long way. I mean. We, you're not going to give up five, five on five goals a night. That's just one of those fluke things this weekend. And, you know, for the most part, we've been, you know, one five on five goal a game. So if we can continue, I still don't like some of the penalties we took. I still think we've taken some untimely penalties uh, so far this year, uh, whether it was in overtime on Saturday or, or Friday, and then even the late power, late penalty with 30 seconds to go in the game, giving them a power play heading into overtime. Those are not the ones to, to make. But, you know, where we're at, we're, we've got, some guys play good one night, and then they don't play quite as well the next night. And that could be a forward, it could be a D, or anybody. And uh, when we got everybody playing consistent and smart, we're, we're a pretty good team. And then when we don't, then it becomes a little bit more of a struggle. But that's that's everybody's in that boat. We're healthy to play this weekend? Yeah, yeah, we're healthy right now. A lot of offense last weekend. What do, what do you take away from it? Yeah, we knew that going into the weekend that Michigan and you know ourselves are highly offensive teams and uh, play off the turnover. So, I mean, it, w- it was expected that the games were going to be high scoring, but uh, not not as high as we wanted. When it gets kind of in that flow, is it just you know you see the opportunities more than holding back? Yeah, I think there's a huge momentum um, theme with hockey. Um, you saw us go up 3-0, then 4-0 consecutive nights, and then they piled on their goals. So a lot of offense just kind of has to do with guys getting in their groove and finding that momentum. What is your major takeaway from the weekend? Uh, we got to buckle down on defense. Um, if we want to make it to the later rounds in the playoffs, uh, we can rely on our offense, but our defense needs to step up and be able to shut down those offensive weapons. What situations come up in film to emphasize that? We just go over every small little detail and really harp on it and go out, practice it, and hopefully we can uh, memorize it and figure it out. What's your mindset going into this weekend? we got to clean up our defense. Um, our offense is you know, in the groove and uh, just buckle down defensively and shut down Harvard. 
Steve Harbour brings two uh, Donna Hornets back to town with him. What's it like being on the ice with those two guys again? Yeah, Henry Bowlby and Ben Foley. I, I know those guys pretty well. Uh, back to the high school days and youth days. So uh, you might see me give him a little poke or shove after the whistle. <laughs> Have you had a chance to text him or at all? Get no, I, I haven't uh, talked to him yet, but I'll for sure see him when they travel over here. You mentioned the defense having to buckle down a little bit. Is that part in bringing some guys in, like Rossini saw some time this weekend, and does he think that any shakeups there? Or, uh, what did you see out of his play as well? No, I mean, whenever we bring a, a freshman or whoever into the lineup, that you have full confidence in that player. There's, a, you know, he's only played, what, now four, four games, but we have full confidence in this play. Been a lot of personnel moving around on the power play. What are, the, what are the keys for you when you're out there on the point? Uh, I j just got to give it to the, those skilled guys. Um, give it to them and let them work their magic. And then if I need to shoot the puck, I'll shoot it. That's about it for me. <laughs> <laughs> from my from my standpoint, that's what I'm doing. You guys have been playing six, seven, eight straight weekends now. How are you gonna just hold up on the grind? Oh, the grind is. We've been part of the grind for a very long time so we're used to it um, we just got to manage our bodies you know sleep eat do your usual routine and you should be good those kind of things that the coaching staff are kind of uh, hard harping on you um I think at this point of our lives I, I don't think the coaches need to uh, harp harp that on us it's kind of the individual who needs to take care of their own body so Uh, it's exciting. Um, you know, we've been talking about it uh, for a while now. So, uh, yeah, really excited. He's, he's really one of my best friends. We talk all the time, and uh, finally, you know, get to play against him. It'll be a lot of fun. Do you talk to them all about Harvard kind of having their late start and you know trying to find their legs while yeah. you guys have gotten the head start? Yeah. Um, you know, can, you know, um, he says it's gonna be tough. You know, you know, starting a little late and. And, uh, you know, not playing games for a while. Well, you know, most teams already played, was it, like eight games by that point or something like that. So, yeah, I'm sure it can be tough for them. But, uh, you know, they're obviously a really good team and really talented. And, uh, you know, I think they might be off to a little bit of a slow start. But uh, we know how good they are and we've got to be ready for them. What do you know about Harvard? Uh, I just know, I mean, I know obviously Foxy really well. Um, we know what kind of player he is. You know, he's an All-American last year as a, as a freshman. He's, he's he's just dynamic, you know. He's, he's good on the power play. He's good at five on five. So, you know, we got to watch him. And, you know, I know Ryan Donato pretty well, too. Um, he's a Boston Bruins pick, so I went to camp with him a couple times now. But uh, he's, a, he's a great guy, but obviously a really good player, really talented. Um, you know, besides that, I don't know a lot of the players. You know, I know Jacob Wilson a little bit. But uh, you know, obviously they're, they're really skilled. You know, they pro the four last year. You know that that wasn't an accident. They were they were a good team the entire year. So uh, you know, we expect the same thing. I think they have a returning goalie, and uh, I think he's really good. So uh, so yeah, we got to be ready, and it'll be a fun weekend. What are the keys for your team to improve going forward? You had such good defense going in, trying to coax offense, and then last week you had a lot of offense, not as much defense. What do you take away from that? Yeah, you know what I think. Uh, you know, it shows. You know, we got a little bit of both. You know, at first, you know, we didn't get much offense, and and uh, you know, we had really good defense. And now, obviously, last weekend we had really good offense, not good defense. So, you know, we're just thinking. You know, if we combine those two, we're going to be a pretty good team. You know, a pretty tough team to beat. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, we, we had a little uh, little bump in the road last weekend with our with our defense, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. We we know Eric's going to you know figure it out and have, have a have a big weekend this weekend. So. Uh, so yeah, we'll be ready to go, and, and uh, you know we're gonna just keep keep working, moving forward, keep working on all all assets of our game, and and uh, we'll be better because of it.